you ready, eager young space cadet? Meep, meep. I call a pussy Hello and welcome to Of Course You Realize This Means Podcast. I'm your host, Jonathan Graves, and with me today is writer, director, and journalist, Sabina Graves. And wife. And wife. (laughs) She's my wife. Um, Yes. So welcome to the podcast, Sabina. Um, It is a pleasure to have you on and talking about these cherished characters that are getting a new life next year that we just found out within the news of HBO Max. Yes. All of those HBO Max drops yesterday were insane. And... (laughs) Your Twitter was blowing up. It was, and we're going to go over each and every one of them. So you are informed, dear listener, and welcome to the podcast. This is the best place to hear about Looney Tunes discussion over the classic shorts, over what's happening within Looney Land, and everything Warner Brothers is doing with these uh, these beloved characters. So join us in the conversation today. Please like and subscribe. And if you're joining us for the first time, welcome, and we hope you enjoy the conversation. First off, we're going to talk about that HBO Max announcement. Uh, The first thing that I wanted to mention and I noticed was that there will be a 4K restoration of 250 shorts. That is about the same amount of shorts that is in the entire series of the Golden Collection, which is a eight-part set of uh, Looney Tunes shorts, and um, that's just that's fantastic. I can't wait to uh, to see how they uh, they look and uh, yeah the 4K. And it seems like there's there's more than what is just on the collection, right? There's over like a thousand, including some that aren't on those discs that we've discovered. Yes. Every time that I'm looking at doing a, a coverage of an old short, I always pull out the, the DVD collections and I'm going through and I'm like, oh, this one isn't on here. Uh, they, they did uh, release little sets. Uh, so like there's like the best of Sylvester and Tweety or best of uh, Bugs Bunny and uh, they did all-star collections and a bunch of other collections where you can find the shorts but they're not all on the golden collection but yeah this uh, this is going to be like the best place to find all of the classic shorts along with some new ones which I'm really excited about yeah no I know we've talked about how all of these new shorts have been released at festivals and what we were wondering was going to happen with the releases if they were going to be just online well now we have clarification and confirmation that these shorts will be dropping on hbo max yes and uh, i believe something like 10 10 of the new shorts have uh, shown up on uh on the festival circuit um but yes uh, we got confirmation that there will be 80 11 minute episodes each uh, comprised of animated shorts that vary in length and include adapted storylines for today's audiences. That 
is really intriguing because as you'll hear, we're going to go over some of the Halloween shorts that we picked out. Those have been remade within the span of the the 40 years of Looney Tunes, like in the heyday, um, which is really interesting. Like one of my favorites, uh, which is Water, Water, Every Hair, is a remake of um, the other classic Bugs Bunny Goes Up Against Gossamer uh, short uh, with the mechanical bunny. Um, but it, it's just fascinating that there are so many of the classic shorts that are remakes. Uh, Mark Hughes and I talked about a few of them as well on on the last podcast. And um, yeah, it's just really fascinating that they're going to be adapting some of those classic storylines with the new style as well to bring it into the modern era. Definitely. And I really like how a lot of the old Looney Tunes were definitely fun parodies of pop culture during that time. I wonder if we're going to be getting anything that is a parody of um, any of the recent-ish Warner Brothers releases. Right. I agree. And I want that. But I can already tell you because um, my review for Curse of the the Monkey Bird is already on the podcast. That has elements of parody of Indiana Jones. And Indiana Jones obviously came out after the heyday of Looney Tunes. So there's a lot of ripe films that they could go into. But especially the modern stuff it hasn't been touched yet as far as parody in, in the animated world goes. For sure. I'd like to see them parody things like It or Stranger Things put with the Looney Tunes characters. Yeah, that'd be awesome. Yeah, or even something like a Jordan Peele movie. Right. Done with Looney Tunes characters like us <laughs> with the tethered. I don't know. <laughs> Although that's universal, so I don't know if the crossover would really be possible. Well, Indiana Jones is Paramount. Well, in Disney now, so um, anything's possible. Because <laughs> I think with parody, you're you're free of the legalities of it. Um, but I I really would like to, them to do like a parody of uh, Once Upon a Time in Hollywood. Oh, that would be amazing. But I don't know if that would ever happen because that would have to be like long form and not just uh, a short. But you could do uh, you could do a number of things with that. Uh, so continuing down the news, um, there will also be holiday themed specials uh, within those uh, 80 episodes. And I believe that Eric Bauza, who does the voice of Daffy and Bugs, has already given us a hint that one of those might be Mummy Dummy, which is Bugs Bunny going up against a mummy. Nice. So it's a throwback to when Bugs encountered Dracula or uh, Gossamer and the evil scientist. And um, I I really love those shorts um, where he is put against a supernatural monster and he outwits them. Is that going to be released this year or next? I really hope that they don't hold all these episodes until HBO Max, that they like at least sprinkle some out to create hype and buzz. That's what I've been saying since I started the podcast. <laughs> but I agree. <laughs> I think on every episode, I say those exact words. I think just every day you say every, those exact Every day words. I say those exact uh, words. We live together, so... <laughs> Uh, so, yes, uh, Eric Bauza is doing uh, the voices in this, along with Jeff Bergman and Bob Bergen, who does a fantastic Porky. And I really hope that they give him a lot to do, uh, more than they did in Curse of the Monkey Bird, because if he gets the time to shine and, like, good dialogue, he's going to nail it. 
Um, he already did in, in that one, but he didn't have a lot to do. He was more of a, more of a punching bag. And I want to see him like grow out of, out of uh, the storylines. Um, and the executive producers on this are Pete Browngard, who is known for, uh, uh, I almost said Dirty Grandpa. That's not right. Uh, Uncle, Uncle Grandpa. Grandpa. <laughs> and uh, <laughs> and um, yeah, he is, serves as the director on Curse and a few others, I believe. Uh, as well as Sam Register, who is the current president of Warner Brothers Animation, and he had this to say about the new shorts. We are stewards for some of the greatest animated characters for all time. And I would agree. <laughs> that was a very small snippet of his, of his quote. Um, but he went on to say, and I'm paraphrasing, but uh, basically that the style that, that uh, harkens back to the originals is going to be the beloved style that people are familiar with, but given a modern update in its comedy stylings, and I would agree with that uh, from everything that I've seen. Yes, there's so many announcements that are just so exciting. I mean, even along those lines with Gremlins, I know the team behind the Gremlins animated series is also really excited for that, which is Looney Tunes adjacent. Yes, it is. Uh, as well as Jellystone. I don't have it in my notes, but Jellystone is also something I'm pretty interested in because it's taking these beloved characters and building a universe around them so that a way they can interact with each other. Speaking of interacting with each other, we also have Tuned Out, the Robert Zemeckis produced series. It's going to be a live action Looney Tunes hybrid. What? And they're saying that it's a spiritual successor to Who Framed Roger Rabbit, the Robert Zemeckis directed and produced comedy that he shot in between Back to the Future 2 and 3, I believe, or 1 and 2. One of those. I don't remember <laughs> the timeline. It's all fuzzy. But I love those movies, and I love Robert Zemeckis doing this. He's going to be in a very comfortable space again. And I greatly look forward to what comes out of this. So I have so many questions. Like, was that picture of Christopher Lloyd surrounded by the tunes an official picture? I don't know. Because that'd Maybe. be so cool. Because what if, what if Doom comes back? What if it's like about Doom before he gets melted? I don't know. <laughs> before he gets turned into a tune? Before he gets turned into a tune. I, I think he was always a tune. He he killed a human and wore him as a Well, no, I meant suit, like melted as in like or when he was flattened by the thing. However oh, yeah. he dies. Like, will this take place? Like, I don't think so. So this is going to follow Max, uh, who he starts to see these iconic cartoon characters come to life during a very, a very rough patch in his life. And that to me sounds very reminiscent of those drug commercials. <laughs> where we got um, Bugs Bunny and the Teenage Mutant Ninja Turtles and a bunch of other classic 80s characters interacting with each other and helping kids get through uh, saying no to drugs and bullies and a bunch of other stuff. I, I really love that uh, that PSA. <laughs> <laughs> I don't know if this will be like inspired by PSAs. I think just that, you know, we've always had a version of the Looney Tunes interacting with the live action, whether it's from the like Nike commercials or the theme park stuff or Space Jam. Space Jam. Um, I mean, I think that it's, it's always been very appealing in pop culture to see that like real world and like animation uh, mashup 
pop up. I know we don't do it as often because it's always like, you know, um, I think when it's when it's not related to IP, it could be a hit or miss. Um, I mean, I personally am a big fan of that sort of thing. I know there have been shows like Son of Zorn that I thought was re- was really entertaining. There was recently Happy, um, I think which which also ended. Um, but kind of going back and going back to these characters in a Robert Zemeckis helmed project seems so exciting. And I really wanted to be just, I wanted to be crazy, like just ridiculously crazy and a trip. And I hope uh, they get like awesome uh, comedy writers to kind of create these, you know, shorts or, or whatever series that this is going to be the groundwork for. Yeah, I, I completely agree. I also thought of Son of Zorn. Um, that was a short-lived show, but what they did with it was pretty unique. And I think this is going to be unique as well. I think it's going to be its own brand of comedy. And I'm all for it. Um, I uh, I look forward to seeing and hearing more about this and who they cast for the live-action parts, along with Christopher Lloyd, if he is, in fact, in this. That is, that is incredibly exciting, having Robert Zemeckis and Christopher Lloyd back in a project where it's live action and animation <laughs> together that's Jonathan that's is perfect. slowly losing his his, his collective cool. you're mind. losing your chill um so that that about does it for the HBO Max stuff that was released yesterday i just overall i'm really excited that we're getting a resurgence of these characters in new formats and if it was just the 80 episodes with the new animated shorts within them I would have been over the moon thrilled and now I'm just like I'm in outer space right now like knowing that Robert Zemeckis is coming back to this world and and we get a Space Jam 2 and Space Jam 2 uh, I think that's in two years but yes uh, I think this helps to reestablish the Looney Tunes for those audience members that will be buying tickets to see Space Jam 2 and not just the people that are nostalgic for it. Totally. I'm also like very hopeful that it'll open up to like not just uh, the Warner Brothers animation characters, but they also have like the Turner Classic characters um, and the Cartoon Network characters. So maybe seeing like It'd be crazy to see, like, Rick from Rick and Morty interact with the Looney Tunes. Like, with Marvin the Martian. Like, Rick Rick meeting Marvin the Martian, that's just, like, an episode. Like, that needs... That'd be amazing. Wow. You're you're blowing my mind even further. What what are the Turner Classic characters? Aren't we... Like, Robert Osborne animated? <laughs> no, I thought, like, the Turner, like owned characters aren't they the um like oh, flintstone you, like hannah barbera, hanna-barbera characters go. yeah hannah yeah, yeah. all Sorry, the characters I'm talking about them in like, <laughs> office speak because uh, one of my jobs is babysitting desks at warner brothers so my brain just automatically categorizes them in the separate departments that they exist in uh, so. um, but yeah having the having jellystone be a part of this as well is also integration of those classic characters getting modernized and they could easily show up in new movies or uh new media especially space jam like and we'll we'll just have to wait and see but it's obviously becoming apparent that they want to bring back those classic characters in a loving way um and i'm i'm here for it i'm excited about it and i want to see what they do with it 
So, uh, moving on, we are going to discuss some classic animated shorts now that are Halloween-themed, starting with the hide-and-go tweet. Uh, This was from 1960 and directed by Frizz Freeling. This stars Sylvester the Cat and Tweety the Bird and Tweety the Monster. I better hide or that bad old putty cat gonna get me. No use hiding, bird. I know you're around here somewhere. (laughs) I relate on a very deep personal level to this Tweety. No, I I like that... uh, we see Tweety become a monster in the Jekyll and Hyde way. I'm also a very big literary horror fanatic. So I love when, like, going back to the whole pop culture and, like, all of, um, you know, sort of classic stories that Looney Tunes goes and adapts into their shorts, uh, you have, you know, like, classic horror literature, like Dr. Jekyll and Mr. Hyde. And in this, we get a really fun uh reimagination of it with Tweety and Sylvester as they're, you know, in their usual hijinks of Sylvester chasing Tweety around and Tweety, you know, hides in a bottle of hide and comes out of a monster. She's just like a giant or he, 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 <laughs> we're not going to go into this conversation right now, but I totally was someone who thought Tweety Bird was a she. We don't know if she, if he, identifies as a female because honestly how is i supposed to know any better because tweety was always on girl clothing and up against pink backgrounds i'm also much younger than jonathan so you're old and when i was little (laughs) i thought tweety was a girl um anyways he slash she if he identifies as a lady um it was just a problem with the Warner Brother marketing department and consumer products at the time. They were like, <laughs> the Looney Tunes don't have a female character. Let's use Tweety. That's andro- and, androgynous. androgynous. You know what? Tweety is an androgynous icon, okay? <laughs> I fully embrace that for them. Okay. Let's not assign Tweety a pronoun. Let's not. Okay. Okay. So Tweety, they go around evading Sylvester and every once in a while, like, the the monster serum just pops out. And then Tweety is chasing Sylvester back. Like, the, my favorite part of this gag is when, when Tweety eats Sylvester. <laughs> and just, there's just a moment of Sylvester being shook. There's a frame <laughs> where he was like, did that just happen? What? <laughs> and it's so good. I tried to catch this little bird, and this little bird turned into a giant monster and ate me for a minute. Um, yeah, so it's, it's a really fascinating look at uh, all of these shorts because you start noticing patterns. And for me, I noticed that the uh, relationship between Sylvester and Tweety in this is very similar to what they did in an earlier short where Hippity Hoppity, uh, the, the kangaroo, disguises himself as a mouse. And so Sylvester would chase the mouse and then go in a door, and then out from behind the door is Hippity Hoppity, who is a giant-looking mouse, and it antagonizes Sylvester um, 
to get away from the mouse. And, and I feel it was a very similar um, dynamic here. And it works. It works really well. And Sylvester is always at, at the uh, forefront of all the punches. And it's, it's just fantastic. Um, this is also a similar storyline to the Bugs Bunny starred short um, Hyde and Hare where uh, Dr. Jekyll and uh, Mr. Hyde are in that as well. And Dr. Jekyll is trying to feed the potion to Bugs and he drinks it himself and Bugs is running away from the Hyde version of Dr. Jekyll but trying to save the doctor version who is puny and weak. And, and uh, I just, I love that they recycled the thematics of those shorts because they found a formula that works and it only shows up a handful of times, probably less than a handful. And here we see it with Sylvester and Tweety, which is a new uh, coat of paint on it. Um, so it feels fresh and it feels new and having Tweety become the monster is just the the best character design out of like all of the monster transformations, I think. Uh, Cause it's just so iconic. Like when you see monster Tweety on anything, you're like, I want that. Yeah. <laughs> <laughs> we need to see monster Tweety on more things. Cause I literally was watching it and was like, I would wear this costume, <laughs> but I also feel like I'd make a very terrible <laughs> interpretation of this costume. It's even more monstrous and freaky than yeah. it already is. Well, yeah. But, uh, Monster Tweety, they are an icon. Uh, sticking with literary uh, characters in Looney Tunes, uh, we are going to discuss the devil. The <laughs> devil dog, uh, <laughs> as he's known in Satan's Waiting. Uh, this was from 1954 and also for his feeling. So we see Sylvester tra- uh, chasing Tweety and he uh, he tries to grab him and he flies off of a building. But before he does, he grabs Tweety's tail feathers and he floats back up. And Tweety is very thankful because Twe- Sylvester just brought him his tail feathers back and Tweety just snatches them right out of his hands and he plummets to the ground and he plummets straight to hell. And we find uh, Sylvester is going to be waiting for his other eight lives to join him before he can I really like the moment with the, the devil dogs like oh you just died once how many more lives do you have left oh you oh you're fine and then sends him back up on his way he's very antagonistic and and persuading of Sylvester to keep chasing Tweety uh which I love and it's it's a very devilish deed to uh to be that um sinister but uh, but yeah, so what did you think of this short? I kept thinking about how every time Sylvester loses a life, a version of him stays in hell. 
So like there was life one, life two, life three. And like, I'm like, so are those lives sentient and suffering in hell while Sylvester is off chasing Tweety while still alive? <laughs> it just kind of sent me on like an existential crisis while watching. It does raise a, a few <laughs> questions. I would agree. <laughs> um, well, I don't know. We'll have to ask a cat. Yeah. Do you know any cats? I don't know any cats. Ask how many lives they have left and uh, how they feel about their other lives. It was interesting how Sylvester retained the memories of the other lives in hell before he was sent back, Uh, which I I liked because it added to the threat and the the danger that he was in. And he knew uh, all the way up until the end, he knew what he was doing with his lives and how fragile they became. Uh, especially when he got into the last one and he locked himself in a bank vault. Yeah, and he was like, I'm not going to mess with Tweety anymore. <laughs> <laughs> not only am I not going to mess with birds anymore, he's not going to like live anymore. <laughs> he was just going to like saddle up in a bank vault with canned cat food and live out the rest of his life in, uh, in uh, seclusion. Yeah. So. Speaking of furry friends, our furry... Her child decided to join in. You yes. just heard him squeak. Gus Gus is here. Gus Gus is here. He got <laughs> jealous that we were talking about cats and birds and not dogs. Well, I mean, well, maybe we summoned him because we said devil dog. Oh, maybe. And he might be a devil dog. He I don't might know. Oh. I think that was confirmation. <laughs> was that confirmation? Are you a devil dog, Gus Gus? He's a devil dog. Yeah, so uh, I also, I made a note. He goes into the House of Horrors and is scared to death uh, by what looks like a giant devil dog face that he has to go through. And then he's like, what did I just go in? And he walks back out and he looks at the face and then his life <laughs> leaves his body. Um, and But my favorite part about this was basically Tweety takes Sylvester to not scary farm. This was basically like not scary farm where it's a bunch of scares and like haunted rides and then a roller coaster that looks death defying, which kills uh, Sylvester, one of his nine lives. But uh, but yeah, I really uh, I really enjoyed that dynamic. It's very rare that we get to go to the amusement park in a, a Looney Tunes uh, short. And speaking of Satan's Waiting, we have a character from that short in the game now. And that is Devil Dog, the Satan-looking dog uh, from that short that kills Sylvester eight more times. Um, <laughs> he uh, he is going to be living in the Witch's Den, and that is in the Avaluni region. Uh, he has a rivalry with all Sylvester's <laughs> and a friendship skill with all the villains. Um, his design story is... reads as follows this evil dog counters the one he's supposed to love granny whose permanently heal over time remains one of the strongest support effects in world of mayhem as a monster who sprays the enemy team with tons of slat downs he and phantoma who we'll talk about in a minute join the monster squad together with spooky synergy Did you like how I read spooky there? Yes. His skill set is as follows. He has a brimstone rift, a maniacal laugh, 
Hound of Heck, Book of Damnation, and he's an aggressive protector. So that's a, it's a, it's a he's a rare character. So if you if you are able to unlock him as a defender, he's going to be a very powerful defender for you, especially going up against any of the Sylvester characters. And now bringing it full circle from the literary characters in Looney Tunes to a character that has never had a Halloween short about them, we now have Phantoma Le Pew. This Ooh. is Phantom of the Opera and Pepe Le Pew combined. He is an epic attacker and his region is the city and his building is the opera house. Yeah! So we have to build the opera house and put him in it. He has a friendship with all Penelope's and this tune has plus 10% attack, defense, and speed while any Penelope tune is on the battlefield as an ally. <laughs> Gus is just raring to go and play as soon as possible. Uh, the design story is as follows. The Phantom of the Opera and Pepe Le Pew feel like the same character. Both are creepy, annoying, and think themselves the height of culture, fixating on some victim. This new monster artist stalks the city's opera house, each battle naming a single enemy his beloved and drawing on their misery to fuel his attacks. Defeat the beloved, last for maximum effect. Uh, so his skill set is the Smelancholia. Smelancholia. Well, Smelancholia. <laughs> <laughs> what does that mean? Smelancholia. It's like melancholia, which is being melancholy, but it's smelly. Oh, okay. Smelancholia. Oh, I get it now. Yep, yep. You got there? I got there. You got there. Good. Yep. Congratulations. <laughs> Smelancholia. That scent which calls spooky mist, Shante Miang. Is that is that right? Is that French? Is that Italian? What is that? It's probably French. Strange Pue and Night Owl. I like spooky mist. You like spooky mist? And and smelling Kalia. Honestly, that's a really good name for an attack. <laughs> smelling Kalia. I Strike thee down with melancholia. I like it. It's really, really clever. And I, I love when the game uh, and the, the creators over at Scopely create new mashups that the the creators of the shorts in the 40s and 50s, they would have gotten to had they made more. But uh, as I found out, it take it took uh, nine months per short to, to make. So... Um, so now we are going to throw it over to our friends at Acme for a little taste of their smelling collie. Come on down to Acme today. And purchase your Acme Halloween candy for a night of treats and scares you'll never forget. It might turn you into a robot. Trick or treat. It might turn you into a wolf. Oh! 
or scariest of all, it might turn you into a blood-sucking vampire. I want candy. That loves candy. Warning, do not, do not bury your candy in the graveyard. It might raise the dead. Yes, it might. It just might. Get yours today. What did you think of that commercial? It was adorable, but also very frightening. And I just, you know, it just reached those heights of like pandemonium. And wow. Wow, indeed. Uh, So, yes, uh, go buy your Acme products today. On a uh, somber note, I want to uh, shout out to John Witherspoon, who sadly passed away uh, this week. Um, I knew him from the Friday films and his performance in Ladies Man, which will live with me forever. Um, but he always he he was always a bright light in these movies, um, and he always had really strong comedic sensibilities and he was someone whose voice I will miss. And, um, yeah, he was, a he was a real inspiration to, uh, to comedy actors everywhere. And, um, he also, yes, he also did the voice of, uh, the, the granddad, granddad and on Boondocks, Boondocks, part of the Cartoon Network family. And they also like tweeted out a very nice, um, in memoriam for him. Oh, that's well. great. I will uh, retweet that as soon as I see it. Um, yeah. So, did you have any thoughts about him? Yeah, no, definitely. I mean, growing up um, in L.A., movies like Friday and shows like Boondocks were always like a staple. Um, he always seemed like, you know, just... Like, there are so many, you know, character actors um, throughout genre, but he was definitely one who stood out and, you know, shown and just, he was, like, such a staple. And to lose that, like, you know, when you have, like, those core TV family members, he was definitely one of them as well. Um, So it's really sad. And, you know, so um, hopefully he rests in peace and his legacy will just go on and oh undoubtedly remembered yeah r.i.p spoon hashtag is uh currently on twitter but yeah um he will be missed the legacy will live on for sure uh on a, a slightly happier note uh there is a halloween sweepstakes going on over at scopely and this will allow you to gain gems and character pieces i believe they're giving away something upwards of 250 character pieces for the phantoma uh which is a pretty great deal um it will be a drawing on november 3rd and all you have to do is follow the content creators that are associated with scopely uh and this podcast is included in that um (laughs) Which we are thankful for. Yes. And uh, yeah, so you can uh, enter by following the podcast on Twitter at This Means Pod and subscribing to the podcast on Podbean at This Means Podcast.podbean.com. Is there anything you want to plug? Yes, actually. I would love to plug 
my interviews for Dr. Sleep. This is totally connected, by the way. <laughs> uh, they will be going up on comingsoon.net. I interviewed the cast of the film, Ewan McGregor, Rebecca Ferguson, um, and director Mike Flanagan. And uh, Jonathan actually went with me to see the film. Um, we're big Shining fans. Uh, yes. Between Kubrick and Stephen King's literary classic. Um, we were very excited to see this sequel. Um, and some of the Kubrick callbacks uh, definitely struck a chord. Particularly, there is a new Looney Tunes reference in Dr. Sleep. Um, which... Well, they have a short that's playing on the TV. Yes. So mm-hmm. there's a short that's playing on the TV. It's not really, you know, a giant spoiler. It is part of a flashback of when Danny was a young kid after the events of the first Shining film, after he comes back with Wendy to um, home. Um, and he is maybe a little haunted. Um, and he is uh, he's watching uh, the episode of Looney Tunes that's called Rabbit's Feet. Yes, F-E-A-T. Yeah, and uh, it is an episode that centers around Bugs Bunny outwitting Wile E. Coyote, um, which is definitely a callback to in The Shining. um, Before they move to the Overlook, Danny is watching an episode of uh, The Roadrunner and Coyote. Yep. And the theme song that plays with that. So it was really fun to kind of like geek out about this reference. And uh, if you're a fan of the films, definitely check that short out before going to see Dr. Sleep to kind of like prepare for some cool mental, like maybe foreshadowing. Um, And yeah, that was awesome. But yeah, I did interviews for that. And um, those will be going up on comingsoon.net. Congrats. Yay. Yay. And also you have a, you contributed to a new site uh, on YouTube that has a new short out. Uh, yes. So I am a story editor on the Snarled Something Scary YouTube channel and podcast. And uh, it's been awesome to join their team um, for this Halloween season. And uh, a couple of the works that I contributed to on this team have gone up. And the podcast will be up shortly after this goes up. Yeah, probably. So it's the Halloween episode. So be sure to download and subscribe to that. It's uh, very child friendly. So, um, you know, it's uh, in the vein of things like Are You Afraid of the Dark and Goosebumps and Scary Stories to Tell in the Dark and uh, um, Twilight Zone. So feel free to check it out. Do you remember the name of the podcast? I believe it's the Something Scary podcast. If you look up Something Scary and Snarled, um, it'll be there. Great. Well, I look forward to listening to the podcast version of the amazing story you wrote. And uh, Do you have anything to plug? Like the ears on my head. Sabina is currently <laughs> wearing Bugs Bunny ears, uh, which they have in the Warner Brothers store on the lot. Um, but yeah, no, actually, um, on the lot, if you go on the Warner Brothers studio tour, it's probably the easiest way to be able to take a look at these products that they have uh, currently available. They have these awesome Bugs Bunny ears that I'm going to make Jonathan wear and take pictures with. And they have an awesome Bugs Bunny ceramic coffee mug. And the handle is Bugs Bunny's ear. Um, and I also got him a Tervis tumbler with the Looney Tunes on them. But yeah, so I totally like if I see stuff, I grab stuff. 
for the husband. <laughs> Sabina, thank you for all the amazing gifts you've gotten me from the Warner Brothers store, including a tumbless turver, a, a tumbler. What? A turver. <laughs> a tumbless turver. I'm going to forever call it the tumbless turver now. Oh, my goodness. <laughs> a turvis tumbler. A turvis tumbler. With the Looney Tunes on it. Yes, and it's really cool. It's, it's not, I think it's the classic designs, not the new designs. I'm pretty sure. And I love it. It's amazing. Um, she also got me a Bugs Bunny-shaped mug. And, oh, wait, are they the new car- Are they the new designs? They look clean up. Like, but he doesn't have the yellow blob, so I don't think so. Oh, it's kind of like a mishmash. Because... <laughs> Oh my goodness, yeah. It's so it's got Bugs is doing the classic Bugs pose where he's eating a carrot. Uh but yeah, he has the white gloves on, not the yellow ones. Um I also think these are actually available at the Warner Brothers store online because I know those mall stores are like long just gone and missed because they were like the best store in the mall. Um shout out to anyone who remembers going into their like kids play area and it was um Duck Dodgers rocket ship. So amazing. Uh, but yeah, uh, there that store still exists in an online form. So they, these some of these items may actually still be on there. Oh, wow. Or be on there released. Okay. Uh, so check out the website, uh, warnerbrothers.com, and see if they have any uh, merchandise on, on their website. And that will about do it for us. Sabina, where can the people find you? Online? People can find me on Twitter at Sabina has no R. You can also find me on Instagram at that lady graves and um, doing a lot of writing for coming soon.net places like IGN sci-fi wire and whoever I tweet out because I freelance <laughs> and write for so many people. And I love to write about genre animation, horror and superhero films and stuff. So that is, that's my jam. Yeah. And our jam is animation. And <laughs> we are at This Means Pod on Twitter, at This Means Podcast on Facebook and Instagram. And follow the Podbean at This Means Podcast.podbean.com. Stay up to date with everything going on within the loony land of Looney Tunes. Uh, I've been your host, Jonathan Graves. You can follow me at The Dark Pilgrim on Twitter. And that's. Not all, folks. <laughs> you bad old putty tot. <laughs>